Let's pray together. God, you are with us. You're with us now. Uh, I pray together we would know that. Uh, you're with these people. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of challenges, uh, a lot of successes here in terms of worldly success, uh, a lot of heartache, uh, just a lot of uh, gamut of emotions uh, in this church and every church. Uh, I pray for these people that they would know that you're, you're with them and help us to be with one another. Uh, to live as you call us to, as we're going to look uh, in your word. Thank you for this time. Open it up to us. Open our hearts to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all. You can have a seat. <clears throat> and if you'd like, you can take a Bible. Hope you will. You turn it to Romans chapter 12. Uh, but I'm actually going to look at a couple passages. Uh, one is in Mark 10. The other one in Matthew 7, and then Matthew 10, so if you want to jot that down. But we're going to look at just one verse in Romans chapter 12. We're in this series, uh, if you've been with us, or if you're just showing up, I'm glad you are, but we've been in this series uh, over the fall, and we'll continue up to Thanksgiving, called Renew, uh, because I believe Romans 12 is really a, a framework, a roadmap. Uh, for living the Christian life and can bring uh, renewal. Uh, at the same time, we need to be renewed. But today I want to focus on not just like your own personal renewal, that relationships need to be renewed. Because often you have uh, very fractured relationships in life. Uh, often there are damaged relationships uh, that need healing. And so Christianity is not just about renewal in us, but to be renewed, we're renewed in relationship with one another. Sometimes that's even Christian brothers and sisters. And I can, I can give you a how-to because Scripture does that, but you have to be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit uh, and allow time uh, for the Spirit to work and to be, to be healed. But God's Word... God calls us to seek renewal in relationships. So it shouldn't be an excuse to be like, well, you know, I need more time or need more patience. Yes, but that shouldn't be an excuse uh, for us to sometimes be intentional to heal relationships. So I'm going to talk about healing relationships, but I also want to talk about uh, how, to, uh, how to walk so that sometimes relationships just don't get fractured. So I'm going to also go back and say this is how we can be in relationship to each other. And so maybe relationships won't even be damaged. But anyway, let me start with Romans 12, verse 16. And you'll see why I'm talking about uh, relationships and renewed relationships today. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Read it again. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Okay. Who, uh, who needs some healing in any relationships? Maybe just one. Okay. Thank you all. Okay. Just be one. Healing in relationships. Here's some, here's some biblical, but it's also kind of folksy wisdom that I always think about in, in relationships. So this is just my opinion. But in all relationships, and especially when there needs to be healing, one, you can't control the other person. 
can control yourself, and God is in control. Uh, those three things have actually served me well. Uh, I'm not going to just end the message right then and there. But you can't control other people. You can control yourself. And God is in control. And that third one is most important, that God is in control. Because often we think about God, and Jay really hit on this as he was talking. We think about God more as like he's the best first responder, okay? God is not a responder. God is the actor, God is, in fact, even the initiator. He's definitely the initiator of our faith. The Bible teaches us that. But we treat God as he like, well, he is the best case first responder. No. Actually, if you remember nothing else, this is most important. God is the actor in events. God is the initiator, okay? God is the starting point. And often we're like, well, God just responds to the choices I make and the things I didn't know. If you think of God like that, that is not the biblical God, that's not the Christian God, and I don't know how you came up with that. Well, I could make some guesses because that's kind of everywhere in culture. But that's not seeing a big God or the God of the Bible. It's not. Love you and everything, but that's wrong. So God is the actor. He's in control, the initiator. He's the starting point. Now, for us, we, we're sinners, uh, we have damaged relationships. I think, and again, going back to kind of rewind, uh, hopefully to help prevent damaged relationships, I think they all often spring from, often, pride, number one, judging, number two, and then just conflict, which is in life, is in the world. So I want to deal with those three, pride, judging, conflict. Pride, judging, conflict. Start off with pride. Turn with me to Mark 10, if you'd like to. But Mark 10, and we're going to see some pride. Pride even in the disciples. Mark 10, I'm going to read verse 35 through 45 here. Okay, it says, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, approached Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. That's just a, that's a great way to just kind of come into Jesus. We'd like you to do whatever we ask you. That's often the way our prayers start, or my prayers start. Yeah. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. They answered him, allow us, look at this, allow us to sit at your right and your left in your glory. And let me stop right there. If, if you know like the Bible, even if you know the Apostles' Creed, you know where Jesus is sitting? You know where Jesus is sitting? Say it, Neil. At the right hand of God, okay? So at the right and his left, like, like one is going to be between God the Father and Jesus, you know? Pretty nice seat there. Okay. Verse 38, let's pick up. Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup I drink or to be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We are able, they told him. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and you will be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not mine to give. Instead, it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten disciples heard this, they began to be indignant. Everybody know what that means? Fancy word? Uh, Simplify. Uh, 
you know, let's just simplify um, our southern, mad as hell, okay? That would be good. <laughs> Indignant with James and John, Jesus called them over and said to them, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in high positions act as tyrants among them. But it is not so among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for a ransom for many. So let's just break this down. I think often uh, we fall, uh, if we're Christians, sometimes when we do church more, uh, we fall into James and John trap. And I love James and John, name two of my boys, James and John. So anyway, it's Ethan James, by the way, and Jack is John. But James and John are pretty, pretty selfish here. Pretty selfish. I mean, just like, don't worry about those other ten. Look at us. Sit beside you. Sit in the places of honor. And so I think often, if I'm honest, and I'm not going to call y'all out, but I think you could relate. A lot of my prayers end up being just very selfish prayers. A lot of my requests to Jesus are, are very selfish. And They, you know, we hide them very well, but ultimately it's about uh, our own glory, our own glory. And that can be the way uh, maybe our our family looks, uh, appears, um, success in this world, in this life. And when I say success, I mean, when you have a, a long, healthy, happy life, that's success. So much of my prayer life is, is pointed to give me, uh, and those I love and care about, long, healthy, sustaining life, and the church I pastor, long, healthy, sustaining life, because it looks really good and it's pretty successful. So I'm seeking really my will, Lord, my position, Lord. I'm seeking that. And I'm also naive enough to think that I know best when you're still the actor, initiator, but you're really kind of my first responder because I want you to respond to my request that I seek. That's, you know, we, we would say, I'd never ask to sit by, you know, Jesus' right or left. I do it all the time. I just hide it very well, okay? You know, I mean, really, if I'm being honest, I mean, I just want, you know, the best life possible. And I, would, I could say, I can hide it really well. I can say, you know, I don't want a ton of wealth, but I definitely want all my needs and... A few of my pleasures met pretty consistently, you know. And I definitely want health for loved ones and all this. And, and hey, no hell is in my future because I've served you here. So I'm just going on and I know you're building a bigger mansion than a lot of these other folks that don't become pastors and missionaries. Hey, that's me being honest. So, and if you're honest with yourself, and maybe you don't get this opportunity to come speak out, but a lot of our Christian life is seeking And it's treating God as this best first responder. Where Jesus comes and he just shows us something totally different. And, you know, to be a servant, to serve. So if you go through this passage, you've got Peter, I mean, you've got James and John. And then Jesus says, hey, you know, if you you really want this, you're going to have some suffering. Uh, Because the cup, I don't know if some of you picked this up, but in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says, God, take this cup from me. And he's talking about the cup of wrath poured out by God the Father 
on to Christ. And then he says, and hey, you know, it's my father's to give honor. So some, I've actually always struggled with this passage when he says that. Because some, the Lord will give more honor in this life. Some, he won't. James was the first disciple to be martyred. Uh, He was killed. He was uh, thrown off uh, the temple in Jerusalem and died. First one of the disciples to be martyred. John was the last. But interestingly, the Romans, and I love history, but uh, the Romans, they disliked John so much that they were were going to try to kill him, and they threw him in a big vat of boiling water. (laughs) And he survived, okay? And he ended up on uh, a Greek island, which is not a bad deal. But he was uh, totally isolated and old, and then, you know, Jesus came to him in Revelation. But that's a whole other story. But for some, he's like, you know, I'm going to give you, John, a long life. For some, you know, you're going to be the first to come see me. Um, it's the Lord's to give. He's the, he's the actor. He's the initiator. So for us, with relationships, I guess my question, healing relationships, renewing relationships, you know, do we seek, uh, do we seek everything for ourselves or do we serve? You know, I think about it, seek to serve. Seek for ourselves or serve. And I do think Trunk or Treat was a great example of that, uh, how we're moving as a church, because, say this, probably two-thirds of the folks there were not from this church body around the neighborhood. Uh, two-thirds, probably, probably, let's say it like black, you know, I mean, African-American uh, from Spain. So that doesn't just happen. It takes time to cultivate relationships. And I'm not getting into a race thing, but I mean, life is, if you just watch the news, life is becoming more and more just a race thing, okay? It's not just like here in God's country. But I say that to be like, well, we could just, I mean, that's nice and good, and we do that. But I mean, they're really not going to like benefit the church. I mean, they're not here today, so they're not filling the seats. And we could use some folks to fill the seats. So, I mean, what's the point of like, Serving the community. I mean, if they're not going to come and get plugged in or build this kingdom here, why should we even go out there? That's just what I was talking about here, okay? Uh, Do we seek our own kingdom? And I wrestle with this. Do I seek the bellwether kingdom or does it serve the community? And God takes care of it. Uh, I want to do the latter. I want us to do the latter. And I did think Wednesday night was a great example of that. But we have to continue and fight against our own, me, my own selfish motives to seek. How do we do that? We look to Jesus. Mark 10, 45. Son of man came to serve. So we serve others. God takes care of it. Another passage. That was pride. And I don't even know if I said pride. But pride is that seeking, seeking that seat, seeking that place. Something else is judging. Let's go to Matthew 7 real quick. Matthew 7. I'm going to read verse 1 through 5. Matthew 7. Verse 1 through 5. Verse 1, I call it, I think this is America's favorite verse right here, okay? Love this. Do not judge so that you won't be judged, okay? That used to be my favorite verse. Don't judge me, hypocrite. Okay, do not judge so that you won't be judged, for you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye, 
And look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrite. First, take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. All right, so talking about judging uh, people we know. So you don't have to be in conflict with people to judge them. So give you an example, like just going through life, going to school, going to church, going to work. You know, it's almost like we're constantly assessing others. We're constantly judging others, uh, how they look, what they've done. And so this passage is great because, to simplify it, I'd say, is our starting point the splinter or the beam? The starting point. So like our starting point as we walk through life, like all the splinters uh, in everybody else's life, or is our starting point the big beam that's in our own life? Because if our starting point is like the beam, as Jesus says, and the beam is like, let me clarify this. The beam is like, man, I'm a sinner. Like, I mean, can you, can you believe it? That, I mean, God saved me. I mean, it's kind of like Jay Fielder's attitude there. Like, man, can, I, can you believe it? God did this to me. You know, starting with the beam is like, is more walking in joy. You, you, you might think it's not because you're like, well, you're just focused on, you know, how bad you are. No, you're focused on like how good God is and what he's done in your life. And if you walk and you move and you live like that, then I think you see less splinters than everybody else. But when we get into, and going back to this saying again, when we get into the pattern of just doing church, then we lose sight of the beam. We start seeing, like, we become a lot more critical, uh, a lot more hypercritical. And you know what? Splinters can even be good things. Like, I mean, did you really like that song? <laughs> I mean, you hear how she sang that? Give me a break. <laughs> you really tracking with him today? I mean, is he high? Okay. Yeah. Or you might be like, I hope he's high. He might be more entertaining. You kind of you start seeing splinters everywhere, even in good stuff. I mean, he, you could talk here about the bad splinters, you know, stealing, lying, adultery. But you start seeing splinters like in everything. You know, like someone could be just naturally God gifted, beautiful. See how she wears that. When you when you do church you do start missing out on the beam, and you just see splinters everywhere. You start judging. But when the focus is on like, man, you know, I am am a sinner, and man, can you believe it? I'm a Christian, you know, and God has done this work in me, and he's continuing it, and, you know, humbly use gifts. Hopefully it speaks to you. It might not, okay, but I'm going to still try to use them and push us to be the church and, and if you see the splinter of like, man, it's 11.25, he might finish at 11.35, hoping for that. Splinters, man, splinters. <laughs> Seriously. It's, it's, and it's Jesus' words. He's like, you know. One last thing on this part. Have you ever, because then, you know, we also sometimes need to rightly notice splinters in a brother or sister's uh, eye or life. Have you ever tried to take a splinter out of like your kid's finger or hand? How do you do that? Very, very uh, pre- precisely. Pretty soft. 
I mean, just trying to like, you know, get the tweezers and just yank it out. Some do, okay. <laughs> Very tactful, yeah. But uh, when I do, especially, let's say, let's, let's, take, let's take Ethan, who's, who's young. So let's say, pretend Ethan is, to use my kids, like a baby Christian, okay, baby Christian. And you know, I'm trying to take that splinter out and, you know, he tightens up and he's fidgety and, you know, I'm talking to him and trying to, trying to soothe him and, and take the splinter out. And usually, even though I don't have good fine motor skills, usually it works. And then take Logan, okay? And so if you know Logan, he's got some special needs. But think about that with a brother and sister in Christ who um, maybe, you know, just is, has some special needs and they don't, those don't have to be physical, and so then I have to take a different tact because uh, he can really tighten up or he can get really anxious. And so I say all that, that often God's going to call us in judging to, you know, if we're focused on the beam, then we look at the splinters differently. Uh, often we'll do it more with love and humility. And we're very soft in trying to help take that splinter out. I think there's a lot of good wisdom in this between the splinter and the beam. As I've read over it this week, I mean, the Lord's really convicted me. So if you focus on the being, you're still going to see splinters, but think about how you take it out. And then last, we talk about pride, we talk about judging. Uh, last thing is conflict. Like when you're the hurtful conflict, the bam-bam conflict, the not say nice things. So Matthew 10, Jesus does say a few things about conflict. Matthew 10, I'm going to skip around, but I'm going to start. I'm going to read verse 28 and then skip down to 32. Jesus says, don't fear those who kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Verse 32, therefore, everyone who will acknowledge me before others, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others... I will also deny him before my Father in heaven. Don't assume that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members. Look at this. A man's enemies will be the members of his own house. The one who loves a father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The one who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Anyone who finds his life will lose it. Anyone who loses his life because of me will find it. Jesus says some tough stuff. Um, I love reading the tough stuff Jesus says because then, like, I don't have to say it. <laughs> you know, I can always go back and say, Jesus said it, you know, not me. But conflict, you know what's interesting, I'm, if you know me too, I'm already kind of geared up for Christmas, but I love here, he says, don't assume that I came to bring peace on earth. And I think culture of the world has turned even, you know, Christmas around, you know, peace on earth, goodwill uh, to men. We think the angel said, the angels didn't say that. Uh, the angel said, if you, if you read back, said, peace on earth uh, to those whom, I think to those whom God loves. or But they don't say, and we'll, we'll see it in a couple months, so don't worry about that. Uh, 
But in Luke 2, it doesn't say peace on earth to all. It says peace on earth to those whom God has chosen or whom he loves. Forget it exactly. Also, Jesus says, I did not come to bring peace but a sword. And when Mary is coming to dedicate Jesus as a little baby, the priest says to her, you're going to feel a sword. A sword is going to pierce you. And if you know Jesus on the cross, a sword did pierce his side. And a literal sword did not pierce Mary, but she experienced the pain of the piercing of a sword. So part of this is like, Jesus saying to believers, and there are believers in here, but I don't think all of you are believers, honestly. But he's saying to believers, you're not going to have, say this again, you're not going to have like full peace on this earth. There's going to be conflict. Uh, we see conflict growing. You know, you talk broader church right now. You know, used to, I was talking with another pastor this week, and used to, I mean, church was really, or church is the center of a community. Know, like a more like a neighborhood center where people would gather, and now you don't have that in our culture. And also, you have so many who just are like checked out and think it's stupid or think it's you know rote. And I mean, yeah, we're all hypocrites, but it's just not. It doesn't. It's not given a lot of credit. And even just being a Christian is you know in our culture. I mean, especially outside of the Bible Belt, it's not given a lot of credit. Uh, and for the views, especially if we hold. We're like, you know, I believe in the Bible. I believe it's without error. I believe it's inerrant. Well, that's going to go against a lot of where culture is going. So I think Jesus is saying here, you know, you're like, this is not heaven. You will go to heaven in me or Jesus will come to us. But right now, I mean, it's, it's not heaven. Wish it was. I wish it was. Uh, but there is conflict. And then he talks about this, getting into, there's personal, there's relational conflict. And so he brings up man against his father, daughter against her mother, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. I know that never happens, right? In-law conflict? Yep. Okay. Come to my house. Man's enemies will be the members of his own house. Family conflict. I mean, those we love most. I do have this in, in my house, and I'm not just talking about in-law, but, you know, I mean, brothers, parents, grandparents, different views on stuff, even different views of Scripture, different views of church. It's conflict. So what do we do? I think, you know, closing up on this, sometimes, you know, do we avoid it uh, or do we engage it wisely? And I think that often we just think, well, Jesus doesn't bring conflict, but I want to show you that Jesus says he does bring conflict. And if we just always avoid it, it I don't think it gives glory to, to Christ. I think if we wisely try to engage it, it can bring glory to him. You can uh, see reconciliation happen. But sometimes it might not. Sometimes it might not. We're going to, next week, Romans twelve eighteen. it says, if possible, if possible, uh, at all times, uh, seek. Let me just read that verse. Romans twelve eighteen. If possible, look at this. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If possible, as far as it depends on you. Going back, you can't control everybody. You can control yourself, and God is in control.
And if we think about that, then I think God can bring healing and reconciliation on his time. And if he doesn't, I mean, you may reconcile over the best cup of coffee ever in heaven. I mean, seriously, that may be it. For two brothers and sisters in Christ or something. That may be, that may be what God wants. But here, you know, do we just avoid it? You know, do we like uh, leak out our anger with someone in the subtle criticism? <laughs> that happens all the time, I think. Especially in church world, doing church. kind of leaks out a little subtle criticism. Because we don't want to look like mad or bad. Or do we uh, engage it? Last thing I would say on this point about conflict. If you know, I mean, the person is just, man, it's not that they're messed up. They're just, they're really angry. And, and you've tried and you've made efforts and all they act towards you is uh, disparaging, I love that word, or um, really just say bad things about your name. If it's not fruitful, then disengage. So uh, if it's not bringing glory and honor and, you know, you've got to say, God, you know, work on their hearts, melt their hearts. You know, if you've made attempts and it's just, then, yeah, just trust the Lord. God's in control. He is in control. He's not the best first responder. He's the actor and initiator. And last thing I would say, in all these things, renewal of relationships today, the central point, the main point where it all comes together is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Following him. First passage, Jesus says, I came to serve. If we follow him, we serve. You know, second passage, he says, look at this being. And I'm going to save you from that being. Look at what he's done. And then here, he's saying... Look, there's going to be conflict, but he says, do you want life, the last verse? Do you want real life? Because every person here, that's what you want. We just seek at the wrong places. Every person here. And even if our life is like, our preferred life is some model of like perfect Christian white picket fence life. But here he says, you know, if you want real life, you'll lose yours for me. And, and you'll find the best life this this life on earth will give. And so that would be the invitation today. Are you willing, in the midst of conflict, in the midst of relational conflict, personal, or you miss to say it either for the first time or again, I will lose my life for you, Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, give us the supernatural wisdom, uh, insight into our own souls and into your work and word and strength to say, I will, I will lose my life. I will serve I will not judge, and I will trust you that you're in control, even of conflict and, and hard situations, hard relationships, because you give, you give life, and I'm going to trust you with it. In your name we pray, amen.